Well, hello and welcome to the next instalment of our CSA podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Ryan and uh, I have a national responsibility with CSA in the area of formation. And I'm really excited today to be joined by Andy Wolf. Uh, Andy is in London today and we've managed to organise a time that, that uh, is a reasonable hour for both of us. Uh, although I have to say I'm a little bit jealous today, Andy, because it's the middle of winter here in South Australia and I did a little bit of Googling earlier on. And I did find out that it was actually, believe it or not, going to be quite a warm and sunny day in London today. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, the rumours are true. There has actually been some sun here uh, <laughs> for a day or two. Yeah, it won't last though. So don't, I wouldn't get too jealous. Okay, okay. Summer's <laughs> coming for us eventually. Uh, but Andy is the Church of England Deputy Edu- Chief Education Officer, uh, and he oversees the delivery of programs, networks, and research for uh, Church of England Foundation for Educational Leadership. Uh, he's also a very passionate follower of the English cricket team, but uh, we're going to try not to hold that against him today. Uh, but Andy, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's really great to be here and great to connect with you and um, leaders across Australia. Fantastic. Uh, Andy, I just wonder whether you can start by telling us just a little bit about yourself and, and the role that you have with uh, the Church of England schools. Yeah, sure. So my role is to help to oversee um, Church of England schools across the country. There's nearly 5,000 of those um, it's about 20% of the English education system is, uh, is run by the Church of England right across the country. Um, yeah, there's about a million children in those Church of England schools each day. And um, the Church of England is the oldest provider of free education in England. So it all kicked off in 1811. Um, and at that point in time, if you wanted to go to school, you could do so if you had money, but if you didn't, you couldn't. And so the church began to open these schools that were free. And so we're just kind of building on that on that journey. My background previous to doing this role is actually as a music teacher and then as a senior leader in a high school, Church of England school in um, Nottingham. And then I've got involved in the national team helping to oversee this uh, thing called the Church of England Foundation for Educational Leadership, which is all about developing leaders and um, at all levels, so principals and governors and middle leaders and teachers, and all from a kind of vision-based uh, perspective. So that, that's kind of um, been really exciting to lead that nationally. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and I'd love to talk about leadership a little bit later on. But uh, first of all, I'd like to start by asking a bit about a vision document that you put together um, a few years ago now. Um, and I absolutely love the tagline of the, the vision uh, document, which is deeply Christian, serving the common good. That drew me in straight away. Uh, I want to ask you, why was it so important for you to put a document like that together, to put that vision together? Uh, And what were you trying to communicate to your schools uh, and indeed other schools around as well that might not necessarily have that same faith foundation? Yeah, I mean, I I guess the, the real priority there was to talk about the why of education, not just the what. So in, in the British education system, there's a lot of, you know, very consistent element of change, policy change quite quickly. Uh, We talk a lot about the what and the how of delivery of education, but we don't spend much time talking about the why and the actual motivation for education in the first place. And, um, you know, it felt, felt like it was a really good time for the Church of England to think deeply about why it was in the, in, 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 in the education space and doing so much of it. And we, and we came up with this, vision called deeply Christian serving the common good, because we wanted to, um, yeah, we wanted to bring together something of this, this kind of exciting tension between 
are in a deep theology that roots all of our thinking and practice and um, and makes a difference the way we think and act with this uh, this desire that we want to serve the common good and serve you know be, play a really big role in society at large and um, because we believe that like, education is you know totally transformational for the communities that we serve so we're trying to bring that together and then within that document um, we talk about kind of four areas of vision the first is educating for wisdom knowledge and skills and um, that is really talking about you know as as well as it as good as it is to center education around the delivery of knowledge that's really important and we really support that we also want to see an education that builds wisdom in children and young people so that they can actually use that knowledge wisely. And that's, that opens up questions of ethics and cross-disciplinary learning and um, character education, all that kind of thing. The second area is on hope and aspiration. And um, there probably wouldn't be any school that said, well, we, we disagree with that. We're about <laughs> hopelessness and despair, you know, we'd probably, but, but in a way, um, thinking about what that actually means in reality, hope and aspiration will affect the, you know, even very basic things like where you even open schools in the first place. Who are they for? What kind of um, ambitions do you have for the children in those schools and the communities in those schools? The third area is educating for community and living well together. And um, that, you know, that's really fundamental. I mean, so important right at the moment where, Schools have got such a unique and important role to play in terms of diversity and bringing different communities together. And then finally, educating for dignity and respect. And, um, you know, so those four areas kind of come together to make this 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 vision, which has been well received by schools. And, and also, to be honest, it has also been well received by the wider education sector who with whom we're in really good conversation. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and you mentioned before that you, uh, as part of your schools, you, you you serve up to a million children. That's, that's quite remarkable, really, and, and quite an opportunity. Um, with that in mind, you know, we, we live in such a, or an increasingly secular culture. Um, why do you think it's so important that faith-based schools still exist? And, and how do you see their role within the broader mission of the church in the world? Well, if you, if you um, look right across the the thousands of schools that, that the Church of England um, operates in the UK, the, the, the makeup of them is really, really diverse um, because they literally serve all kinds of communities right across the country. Um, so uh, that, 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 you know, they're literally serving the nation. So, that, so some schools are um, in very rural locations. So uh, in fact, a lot of our schools are in quite rural locations, about 70% of all rural schools are Church of England schools. So the, the involvement in rural communities is, is pretty significant. Many of them are in very urban areas, serving very um, diverse populations. And um, they're very much church schools for the community rather than faith schools for cr- Christians. Now, that that is quite a... Um, I, I know that internationally there's some variance in how people see all that, which is... Which is which is fa- which is fascinating, but uh, and we we enjoy to be in in dialogue with leaders from around the world around that. Um, I think I think one of the important things there is to understand. Um, well, a fundamental question is who do you think uh, education is for? You know, who 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 are you seeking to serve? 
And um, in seeking to run schools that serve the the, the whole community, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely being broader than saying, hey, can we just make some schools that serve our own um, smaller subgroup, um, which, which is, which is, which is a really exciting part of the vision. Um, but it also opens big challenges as well, uh, uh, in, ter- in terms of how, uh, how, 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 that, how that operates. But we, but we do believe that that vision is for everybody, not just for those who, partic- who are part of a particular, um, Christian tradition. Sure. Because obviously you believe that that vision actually leads to flourishing life, and that's something that that you talk a lot about in that vision document: uh, the flourishing of young people. Uh, that a good education promotes um, life in all of its fullness. Uh, so I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. I, I love that idea of flourishing life, um, and I, I wonder if you can speak to that idea of what does it mean to flourish as a as an individual, as a school, as a community. Yeah. What well, I mean. I'm sure it's similar in in Australia, but there's all kinds of metrics that are used to measure a school's effectiveness here in in, in the UK, and some of them are really helpful, and some of them are quite uh, they can feel quite limiting in, in some ways and quite reductionist. And I guess the idea of thinking about flourishing is to think bro- more broadly about the formation of young people and what is actually going on, including their academic success. So we, you know, we're not at all saying you know, we're not interested in that. We're in fact very interested in that. That's, that's a very fundamental part of it. But we're also interested in the way that um, young people's character develops, their attitudes, their thinking, their ability to think wisely, their ability to serve their own communities, to understand difference and diversity. Um, and that sense of flourishing just opens it uh, opens it out um, significantly. Like the the... The word that we use, uh, flourishing, is is um, is actually drawn from, as you as you might know, drawn from a Greek word, eudaimonia, which is an Aristotle concept, and um, it literally means to be of good spirit. And that 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 sense of um, life in all its fullness that that Jesus talks about in John ten ten, when you really kind of unpack that and 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 work your way through, um. Yeah, work your way through John's gospel, actually. There's just this real narrative of abundance and extravagance and generosity and enjoyment. And, um, you know, some really challenging stuff in there for us as Christians to think, well, who, 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 is, who, who is it for? And, and, you know, in that gospel, at least, it seems pretty clear that flourishing is for everyone. You know, if you think of like these kind of key miracles that, Jesus does, whether it be like the the water into wine in Cana or the feeding of the five thousand or whatever, you know, these big moments where we we learn a lot about his ministry. There isn't a there isn't an exclusivity to the to, to the miracle. You know, there's not a kind of selection criteria for who gets fed or who gets to partake in that. And so that broader community flourishing is re- is is really really important to us. And I think I think a lot has been. S- you know, a lot has been said about the flourishing of children, understandably, because um, you know you'd hope that in talking about education, we'd talk about children in some in, in some way, of course. But we're also really passionate about talking about the flourishing of adults as well, because we, I, I'm sure it's similar in Australia. Like the education system here is, you know, it's 
people are working hard. They're working mm. some long hours and it's a challenging, it's a challenging career, definitely. And we know that, um, you know, where there are no flourishing adults, there will be no flourishing children, you know, or not for very long anyway. And so that's why we're so passionate about seeing that sense of flourishing together where the adults and the children um, are, have that vision for each other. Absolutely. And, and there's a ripple effect out of our schools as well, isn't there? If we have flourishing children and, and flourishing adults in that community, that has a ripple effect and we, we see flourishing communities and, and we want to see that extended to, to every corner of the world, don't we? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, many of our listeners, of course, are going to be interested in, in the role of schools in, the, in, the, in faith and character formation like you talked about before. Um, schools being a place where young people can um, ask and, and get answers to some of those kind of big questions in life of, of who am I and, and why am I here and what does the future look like? Um, how do you see that being worked out meaningfully in your schools? Yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's really important that young, young people get the opportunity to ask those questions and to, um, and to be comfortable with asking questions uh, and to be encouraged to be on a journey of thinking about all those, all, all those matters. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think one of the things that, uh, I don't know, I certainly have, I've, I've learned through my, my teaching career in, in, this, in this space at least is that for 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 many um people they'll talk about the time in their life where kind of faith began to form and it and for most people who have a kind of active christian faith as adults it's 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 generally in in childhood generally i mean not exclusively but there's a, there's a strong correlation but i think i think one of the challenges of that is that we've historically seen faith formation as quite a stage based thing where you think this thing and then you go on to the next stage and then you, and, and it's based on James Fowler's stages of faith, the early eighties publication about, you know, going from this to this, to this, to this. Whereas actually my, my experience is different to that in, in that young people's identity is forming in a very different way in, in this generation, such that um, the, the, it's a kind of twisting, turning, dynamic story where where they're actually looking to shape their own identity and i think and, and i think therefore schools need to be places where um children can explore that can ask the big questions can be encouraged to dwell in the question not to seek a simple answer and to and to be able to be on a journey that that is actually is lifelong of exploring that and 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 discovering that and and you know, for, for some of the stuff that we're working on at the moment is particularly in relation to how school relates to church and to family, um, because we we kind of recognise that that for for um yeah, then it that there needs to be a kind of increase in coherence in the young person's life between what they may experience in school and if they attend church, what they experience there, and if they have conversations about that home, what, what that, what that kind of coherence is about. And, and that, and that's been really interesting to see, to see, to, to see that grow. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's a great opportunity for, for, for schools to provide that environment for people to explore in that way. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked a lot here in our CSA network about, uh, the idea or the challenge of young people growing up today um, and, and the pressure they feel of constructing their own identity. And, and, and so therefore we have this really uh, 
exciting responsibility, I suppose, of inviting them into uh, the bigger story of, of Scripture, uh, to see their participation in, in God's kingdom as a place to find their identity and their meaning and their purpose and, and to discover answers to those big questions. So it certainly is exciting opportunities that we have. Yeah, and I think, I think also um, an, another factor which is, re- which is really important, um, and, I, and I saw that this a lot in the, in the high school where I was leading, that um, young people's identity it forms in many different domains, which with respect to people of you, our generation, we can't, we can't actually understand that because um, we, we're not native to, that, to that, that technological experience through social media. Like I, I use social media, I find it interesting, I, I, I can connect with people, I can do some interesting things for my work through it, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't, I don't fully form my identity based on it. Whereas, whereas if I was, you know, beneath the age of, let's say, 14 or 15, I, d- I literally don't know a world where that is not one of the primary places of identity formation. And, and, th- and therefore, um, you know, we need to understand that young people are developing in spaces where, that we don't even know about, you know, and, uh, uh, and those spaces are seen as really important and, uh, very, very foundational to, to, to their, to their thinking. And anybody listening to this with kids will know that that is a big part of, big, big, big part of life. And, and I think therefore to, for schools to think wisely about how they, um, educate in that area and speak, speak about that is, 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 it is really, is really important, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you've probably already started this conversation uh, in that answer, but, um, I, and I know there's some contextual differences between England and Australia, of course, but uh, what, are, what are some of the challenges that you see for your schools uh, in terms of their faith formation endeavours and, and what are some of the ways that they are engaging with or overcoming those challenges? Um, well, I think... <sighs> I mean, one of the fundamental challenges, I guess, is 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 a question over identity. So if you if you're running a, um, you know, you, you've got to remember that the 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 way that the Church of England schools are set up is 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 very much in partnership with the state. So um, you know, no one's paying any money to come to our schools. There's there's, there's no transactional moment uh, financially. And they're, they're 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 open. So that what that means is that, uh, you know, because of that 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 quite unique relationship between church and state here, then then we've got to, you know, play our full part in 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 that relationship. Whereas obviously, if you were, um, you know, in an, uh, you know, I, I know in, in talking with many colleagues leading in other countries where Christian education is. Um, you know, it's fee paying and it's, and it's, you know, there's, there's a lot, obviously a lot more control over what can be, what can and can't be done there. And, 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 and our context is, is, is quite different from that. So I think, I think that's a brilliant opportunity, but it, it could be presented as a challenge if you think that, you know, schools are a route to converting children, which, which the, I don't think that they are. So, but if you did take that view in a very mechanistic way, I think that could be a problem. I think, I think another challenge is that, um, is understanding what role we have to play as Christian educators in building a more, um, tolerant and 
um, compassionate dialogue between different different groups. And I think there is a risk of any group, um, whether it be faith-based or socioeconomic-based or um, racially-based or, wh- or whatever, it's the, it, whatever kind of group, there's a risk of any group forming that it kind of can be quite cannot lead to good dialogue and actually lead to self, um, you know, self, self growth. And, and, and we're really keen to make sure that um, our schools are places where, um, you know, that we're in great, great dialogue and great conversation with, uh, with leaders and practitioners from all different faith groups. I mean, we've just, we've just actually this term been making this film series um, called, called Faith at Home. And, um, it's been a resource for schools uh, during the uh, lockdown. So, so videos that can be can be used in that in that that context. And as part of that, we've had features from major leaders from um, the Muslim tradition, the Jewish tradition, Sikh tradition. You know, so we've had, um, uh, and it's been fantastic. You know, the the dialogue that I had with. Uh, one of our Hindu colleagues was just fantastic about the concept of resilience, and we've got so much to learn from each other. So, so I think I think there's there's some really great opportunities there, and, and ones that we have to take 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 really seriously. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, as someone that uh, has done a lot of work in schools, but also has a background in studying theology, um, a bit like me, uh, so we've got some common ground there, but I've always been fascinated by this connection between kind of faith and life and then engagement with broader culture. Um, how, how do you, as someone with that background, how do you see schools and their involvement in deepening that connection and helping young people to see that connection between their their own personal faith, how it's lived out in the world, and, and ultimately their their kind of vocation, what they contribute to the world and what they do with their lives. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think I think I think one of the things that we yeah, definitely that we would say on that is that is that there's been that there's a danger of a, 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 of presenting a kind of hierarchy of vocation, um, and I think I think Christians generally have been uh, probably fallen into this trap a little bit, whereby whereby we we can easily suggest that particular vocations are sort of you know greater outworkings of our Christian faith that that than others. So, like classically, uh, you know, I can remember when I was growing up, you know, having uh, you know just this real sense that this sort of ultimate thing to do with your Christian faith is to go and live in another country and evangelize, you know, in a kind of yeah. very Victorian missionary kind of, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that old, obviously, but there's a, there's a, there's, there's a kind of parallel there. And then maybe like, you know, the next level down might be somebody who was a church leader. And then the next level down might be the sort of caring professions, if you like, of teaching or social work or medicine or whatever. And then kind of way down the pecking order you know, if you if you really couldn't think what to do with your faith, then maybe you need to get a job in a cafe or an engineering mm. firm and just make money to yeah, yeah. keep the church going. When, but, when actually, I think that's just totally, mm. totally wrong, and totally misguided teaching. Because uh, you know, I think you know the ability to live out our faith every day in a, I don't know, if, I, if I'm working in a library or I'm. Uh, car mechanic or I'm an accountant or whatever that that 
that's just as important. I mean, I had this really interesting conversation with um, a guy who's in, uh, he's about 16 years old and I was talking to him about his uh, next steps and stuff. And he, he's, he said, um, he said, I don't, I don't think you'll like what I'm going to say here, but uh, because I bet you want me to, you know, to do a Christian job, but I really want to be a film producer. That's what I'm really passionate about. And I said, oh my goodness, are you kidding? You know, that's one of the most creative, unbelievable, it could be an incredible way of working your faith out. But as I, as I said that it, he couldn't believe that that was my attitude because his perception was, you know, that that's really got nothing to do with faith at all. And I think we need to wise up about that because we, we, we theologically, we can disempower people massively to say that, you know, the thing you're spending 40, 50, 60 mm. hours a week really doesn't matter. And mm. what matters is whether you turn up in a building on Sunday mm. morning. Well, mm. that's just nonsense if you read the Bible. So, mm. so yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you. And and I think communicating to young people this idea that that, that God's God's kingdom kind of encompasses all aspects of society and culture means that um, means that we can be sending young people out of our schools into all of these different areas of society and culture, into all these different vocations, and they've all got a part to play in uh, in bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. They're, they're, they're all part of God's restorative work in the world, and I think that is that is tremendously empowering for for young people to so that they can understand that they can find great meaning and purpose in their work, and it and it contributes to something much much bigger than themselves. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. And I think, I think we need to, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a, there is a great, there's a great opportunity there for, um, schools because it's kind of on a plate, you know, you've got like hundreds of hundreds of young people all passionate about pursuing lots of different things. And for you then to, as a school leader say, wow, that's incredible. You'd love to be a software engineer or you'd love to run a cafe or whatever. Let's talk about 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 what that might mean and and that whole dimension of flourishing really comes into play there and i think i think there's a role for schools and education at large to play in in helping to reshape thinking in in the church around that because although um you know although that feels like quite a a straightforward narrative for for working in education not not sure it's particularly lived out by um you know, it's probably not many Christians lived experiences that, 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 that is the case because, um, and, and I think, I think there's an opportunity there for young people to kind of, you know, really to lead, lead the way in that. And, and, and to be honest, I, you know, I don't actually see a massive future for young people engaging with church unless it, unless it says like actually the whole of your life does matter. I I think, I think actually that's one of the most compelling um, attractive things about the Christian faith. If you can say, actually, yeah, that the whole thing does matter to God and, and your wider flourishing and the way you serve your community and the way you, um, you know, bring about change matters. I think that's really attractive. Whereas if you say to somebody, well, actually, you know, the thing you're really passionate about, it's not, it's not really part of, you know, God's vision for you is basically whether you attend our church or not, that then, then that, that does limit a lot of stuff off, I think. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Uh, you mentioned earlier on about leadership, and uh, I think that's key to all of the things that we've been talking about today. You know, talking about flourishing individuals and flourishing schools that that requires good leadership and, and healthy leadership of our schools. And and so, with that in mind, you've you've just recently put together a resource, haven't you? Uh, which is titled "Called, Connected, 
and committed. Uh, and uh, I've just been reading through that over the last couple of days, and I have to say I've, I've, I've loved every minute of it. I think it's just a beautiful description of the leadership practices which are so central to, to Christian schools. Um, so I was just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about that. Uh, again, what's, what's the premise of of that document and um, and why is it so important for for school leaders who are involved in the formation of young people to be well-formed themselves, to be called, connected and committed themselves? Yeah, thank, well, thank you. That's really kind feedback. I mean, we, we um, yeah, I mean, what... <laughs> We, we run a range of leadership programs and networks involving um, thousands of school leaders now, actually, which is amazing. Um, and I guess the reason that we wanted to write that, that, that document is really that every organization should have a sense of leadership development in their planning and their thinking. You know, that's not, I don't think that's rocket science at all, um, or it shouldn't be anyway. But actually, the term really doesn't really mean anything. D- leadership development. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, we, we could both use that term and mean completely different things, couldn't we? Um, and so we wanted to try and say something about what our vision for leadership actually is. And we wanted to ground it in the original um, vision for education, this sense of wisdom, hope, community and dignity. So we just got to thinking like, this only really makes sense. You only really know what somebody's vision is by their actions and their words and their decision-making and their diary and their budget. That's the only real way you know what people's vision is. Although we spend ages, um, you know, investing in mission statements and incredible promotional Mm -hmm. films and, you know, beautiful slogans around schools and stuff. You, you, you only really know by people's actions. And in fact, I think it's, if you, if you've an experience where you um, work in a context where the behaviours don't reflect that mission, it's almost, it would almost be better not to have the mission in the first place because it can be deeply frustrating and very disempowering. So, so this, this framework that we put together talks about um, what that looks like in practice. And these three C's, you know, we, the alliteration kind of helps people remember it, I suppose, but, but we wanted to find, a way of saying firstly that your vision as a leader and your behaviors are, are really related to your own sense of personal vocation and your sense of why uh, we've seen in this pandemic for example that leaders in schools just like in all parts of society are having to make really very very difficult decisions very very quickly and actually very few of them at all will have gone back to mission statements or policy documents to, to say well hang on I don't really I'm not sure what we should decide here. Um, let's just go and read that document and then reflect on it and then make the decision. Actually, most of us are making decisions based on our core beliefs and sense of vocation and sense of sense of why. And so that sense of called is really important. Now, for some people, that is going to be a very religious word. You know, I've been called to be a principal. Or I've been called to be a maths teacher. Or I've been called to be a sports coach or whatever it is. Whereas for others, it's going to talk about that broader sense of the word vocation. But we found a real resonance with that um, because I think when the pressure's on, we do ask why the whole time. <laughs> and, and if we don't have a coherent answer for the question why, then we, then we, you know, we, we leave. So that's really important in terms of retention, I guess, as well. The, se- the, the second sense of being connected is, is trying to recognise that although our, a lot of our systems are based on a different 
see, which is com- competition. You know, if I'm a school leader in one place and you're a school leader in the other place, you know, I'm basically trying to put you out of business by becoming a better school. Um, actually, our vision for working together and flourishing together is about recognizing that we're better off working together. And 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 actually, if if we go into those relationships with the right posture, I'm almost certainly going to learn something from you every time we meet, and I'm going to gain from that. Um, and you're also going to learn from me because it, as we w- walk it together, that sense of being connected is 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 really really important. Um, and then the final one committed um you know we we've chosen that word not because we think that everybody needs to be more committed you know somehow we if only we were working a bit harder or yeah. everyone whatever but but actually that sense of uh, i mean the root the root of the word c- committed is is from the latin which means to be sent the word mission means to be sent out so if i have a mission i'm sent to do something Whereas if I have a co-mission or we have a co-mission, it means that we're sent together to do, to, to do something. So if we're committed, then, then it doesn't mean just we're, you know, we're going to work 80 hours a week. It actually means that we're really clear about what we're committed to. And I think, I think, you know, the, the reason why people have found that, you know, I think pretty engaging is because we're opening up questions that, 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 re- that really resonate with, the reason why people get into education in the first place. So for example, um, you know, removing disadvantage, you know, most people in education, regardless of their personal faith background, if you said, you know, why have you become a teacher? Very few would say, oh, it's just a steady, steady job and a decent salary. Um, Most people would say something about, you know, I want to be in a, profession that helps to impact the next generation or change lives or shape community. I mean, that's, that'll be a fairly standard response in an interview for somebody deciding to become a teacher. And so therefore talking about what we're actually committed to and, and challenging those states is really important. So yeah, it's been so far, it's been well received Mm. and uh, it's a real great joy to write that with um, professor David Ford, who is like a kind of, superb theologian guy mm. from Cambridge University slightly terrifying to work with him on one <laughs> level but but a great 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 privilege in another way so so yeah it's been good yeah it's that's great good. like I said I've, I've actually loved having a look at that and that could be a podcast series all in itself I'm sure which I believe you've done uh so you've yeah, got a we, series yeah. of podcasts around some of those things in the document yeah what we what we do actually um is each week we take a di- there's twenty in that document there's twenty four leadership practices that 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 leaders can kind of engage with and it's pretty as you'll have seen it's a pretty short document in many ways I really wanted to write something that um that that was that was deep enough to be engaging but quick enough to read that you could actually read it um, and then each week we record and produce this. Um, yeah, I, I just sit down a little bit like we're, what we're doing. I sit down with a key education leader, um, normally from the UK, but sometimes internationally as well, and just talk about one of those leadership practices. Uh, so yeah, you can, um, yeah, if you're interested, you can you can get a hold of that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and all those documents we talked about today, the the vision for education and, and uh, called Connected Committed, uh, they're available online, aren't they? So people that are listening, yeah. they can access those things through the Church of England yeah. website. Yeah, totally. If you just search up that, um, 
Yeah, the vision, you can easily get a hold of that PDF to download. The Core Connector Committed, that's a free download. Yeah, so you can easily just gra- grab those and see, see, see what you make of them. Yeah. 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 And, and actually, we, we increasingly are in um, so many interesting international conversations around this where, where our, our school leaders are really, um, yeah, really, it, really interested to be in dialogue with people around the world around, around these issues. So, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if, if people listening to this are kind of interested to make those connections, then, I mean, I don't know if the UK feels like a long way away or not at the moment, but, but, but because we're all so used to, um, video connections like this, it's all pretty easy to be honest. So, so we'd be, we'd be, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So we'd be delighted and, and we've got so much to learn from, um, you know, as I've got to know CSA and the leaders of it, just feel like there's so much that we can learn from, from you guys as well. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's why it's great to be in these sort of, um, dialogues and partnership really. Yeah, absolutely. And I encourage those of you that are listening to, uh, to, to, just have a look at those documents. I think it will absolutely stimulate your thinking around the, the vision and purpose of, of Christian education and, and hopefully just remind you and inspire you about the the vital work, the crucial work that we have in, in, in forming young people, um, particularly in a culture that's so uncertain and complex and increasingly secular. The, the place of Christian schools is so important. Uh, and I think the things we've been talking about today, the, the vision behind it and, uh, and certainly some of the leadership practices that are associated with it, um, it's so important that um, that we continue to, to deep dive into those things. So um, I really appreciate your time today, Andy. Unfortunately, we have to bring this thing to an end, but I've, I've just really appreciated the conversation and, and the time that you've given us and uh, really thankful for the, the work that you are doing. So I really appreciate your time today. Oh, hey, it's been great. And, and like I say, we're really keen to continue this dialogue and, and, and to learn from one another. So um yeah, uh, you'll you'll have, we, you'll have to come on our podcast to do the same the same thing in reverse soon. I'd love to. That that sounds fantastic. And make sure you get out and enjoy that uh, warmth and sun today. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thanks so much.